Hi and welcome to our podcast, The Social Coffee Break, with me, Chris, Director of CM Social. And me, Daniela, Director of Content with Coffee and Digitally Danny. And me, Danny, Director of Danny Digital. In these podcasts, we're going to be talking about educational topics uh, and everything we love about social media, from graphic design to Instagram, uh, Facebook ads, and well beyond. Without any further ado, let's get into it. So in this week's episode of The Social Coffee Break, we are going to talk about discovery calls and onboarding clients. Uh, This is going to be a very interesting one because the three of us have got exceptionally different protocols and and, and ways that we handle discovery calls and onboarding. Um, So, you know, it's going to be really great to bounce off each other for this one and sort of, you know, I might even learn something uh, from this podcast in terms of of how we onboard clients. Um, I want to start with Daniela, um, because obviously you're venturing into Pinterest and your graphic design stuff so I want to know sort of what your process is in terms of a discovery call and onboarding clients. Okay so the first thing I do when someone approaches me for a project is I ask them to put together a Pinterest board of inspiration of the type of thing they would want their design or their branding to be like um, just so I can get a general like visual idea of what I'll be working with um, I also ask them for like a general project project description and then the next step then is for me to look at all of that and just look and see if it is a project that I'm going to take on if I'm going to fit well with this type of project because obviously the majority of my design work is all like hand-drawn so I need to check that I've obviously got the requirements to carry out their project Um So then step three then would be to do like a discovery call, meet them for like the first time. I would run through like I've got a branding questionnaire that I run through. I'm just going to sort of summarize it because it's quite big. But I generally just sort of ask about their general brand information, what they want their brand culture and customer experience to be like. Um, the aesthetics side of things and also like their brand awareness and that's when I kind of get to know like more about their business Um, and obviously we try and put like a brand identity together at that point. Um, Next I would sort of after that call I would do like a call summary document that includes an agreement, a time scale, a quote and that would be sent to them And then as soon as the client agrees to that, they sign it, get it back to me, and they've paid the invoice, that's when we start the proper onboarding, which means I would sort of go through everything I need from them in that call. And at that point, like the project's kind of starting. Um, So there might be like certain things I need from them. Um, Just trying to think of an example. Like if I need like, for example, their copy to go onto like their website, you know, the type of stuff they want on their website, that would need to come then. Um, and then after that, you really just start in the project and you sort of just check in with them every now and again. But yeah, that's mine. Awesome. I like this. It's very thorough. I do like it. Um, Danny, I know your process, well, we say process. You haven't really got a process as such of you, but I know it's vastly different from what Daniela just said. So do you mind just talking us through your sort of discovery call and onboarding? Yeah, so mine's like, completely different to Danielle's it's like not structured at all um but to be honest I find it works best for me not having like a strict thing to go down and I know obviously you guys personalize yours but I feel like it just works better for me um 
but what I'll generally do is a lot of the discussions will be over email or LinkedIn or Instagram DM whatever um, I've sort of outreached on or through my website if they've um, actually reached out to me and um, we'll talk kind of a bit about their brand like what they're expecting and um, kind of like what they want and then I'll basically just my main aim of the conversation will be to hop on a discovery call just because it's a lot easier to talk and to like show your brand your personality um, so I'll try and get on a discoveries call as soon as possible and there I'll usually be I'll usually use this as an opportunity to kind of learn more about their brand um, I'm quite fussy with the brands that I work with I like to have like an actual passion for their brand so I can like do a lot of stuff for them and like not just like be getting the money basically I actually want to have a passion for their brand and like enjoy what I'm doing and who I'm working for so I'll learn a bit about their brand I'll usually ask sort of like how's your brand started like what are your morals what do you want to get out to people like what basically is the story of your brand um and then from there I'll kind of like decide if I want to work for them and if I want to take discovery call further um and then I'll kind of just ask a bit about their goals and I'll um like a bit about my services how I can optimize them for them like obviously a big thing of what I do is Instagram management but that is so different for every single client I have so um I'll just like make a few points on what I think would be best for them um and then I'll invite them oh if you're interested further um we can have like an onboarding call if you want to kind of get going you want to get the ball rolling using all those like keywords like if you want to boost your brand then we can hop on an onboarding call kind of like making them think oh I actually do want um to get onboarded so and then we'll have our onboarding call and this will basically be me explaining the process of how things are going to work talking about budgets as well and money um and yeah I'll share my screen a lot go through content calendars and strategies basically show them what I'm going to do it can be a lot of information for a client especially those who have never had someone social media manage for them before um so I just show them everything on my screen explain how it's all going to work really clearly um and yeah and then I'll send them a big email to them at the end with all the information that we talked about um also ask them like Daniela like to send me anything that I need a lot of the time it'll be like brand colors and like goals and logos and like fonts um and then just go from there really it, again it is very tailored to each client so one client might want me to go through how I do my strategies and then I'll go through that um but that's the general sort of gist of it so discovery calls like learning about the brand convincing them to onboard and then onboarding is just taking them through everything and then getting them all up on the system and ready to get the ball rolling awesome and um, I think we definitely differ here in that the both of you do your discovery calls and onboarding in two separate calls. Uh, and quite a lot of the time, I like to keep mine as one call. Uh, I know it's not always possible, and I do split the uh, discovery and onboarding if I need to. Um, but for me, the discovery call is usually the third step uh, in my outreach process. Um, so I do my email outreach first, LinkedIn, you know, uh, Instagram outreach first. Then I utilize uh, a Loom video so I've already understood a little bit about the brand by this point uh, and the discovery call then is when I flip stuff on his head and I get the information I need from them so by this point I've already told them what I can do and how I can help them uh, and, and now this discovery call is for me to find out if they're a good fit for my business um, so I think like the biggest thing is I always try and lead that call myself um, so I don't let 
don't really give the client a chance to ask you know too many questions i'm the one asking the questions um because it's not uncommon and it hasn't been unknown for me to um turn a client away at this point uh you know i've get i get to the discovery call and decide you know this isn't for me um you know this client isn't a good fit for me and and i've turned them away um but for me it's it's about finding out like key important information i need to find out what their objective is what their expectations are and what their budgets are and i like to do this very early on in my discovery call because i don't want to waste any of the client's time and i don't waste any of my own time you know going through this whole process if this if we're not going to be a good fit um so for me they have to tick those three boxes uh, at the start of that discovery call for me to consider taking it any further and um you know i haven't got unrealistic goals in terms of like what I need them to say to tick these boxes. I just need to understand that like their budget meets their expectation and their objective and likewise it works the other way around that their objective and expectation meets their budget. Um because there's, there's nothing worse, you know, than a client who wants you to make twenty thousand pounds with two pounds worth of budget. You know, it's just unrealistic. The expectations are ridiculous. So you know, we like to try and, and shuffle away from from those sort of conversations and, and once I've established them that they you know, it is worth my time. It is worth their time investing in in me. That um, that we move on. Um, so in terms of onboarding, I try to get as much as I can done in that call in one go. So like Danny, I do a lot of screen sharing. Um, at the time doing like the, the end of the discovery call, moving into an onboarding call, I like to try and get them uh, them in their business manager as well, so they can start sharing access to stuff with me. This makes it easier than having to phone them up again just to get you know sort of those details from them, um, and you know I can show them how to how to partner up with me in business suite. Uh, obviously, with ad accounts and stuff, it makes life a lot easier for me being partnered up with them. Um, and yeah, you know, I just try to like if I can get from that discovery call into an onboarding call, I'm sort of taking out that element of waiting for that potential client as well. So, you know, if they are, I'm in an R in about taking on my services as such, trying to move from that discovery call straight into onboarding sort of takes out that doubt element and, and stops the, the halt and them thinking about it. You know, just, I just try and get it done there and then. And, and, you know, it's a lot more difficult for them to say no then after we sort of, sort of done. Um, so leading on to a few more questions then, really. Have you guys got like a sort of tick list of requirements that you like to get information you like to get out of your clients on that onboarding call? So have you got like a specific set set of questions that you, you do ask during that, that call? Is there certain things that you need from a client in order for you guys to work together? Is there sort of more things? Danielle, I'll start with you. Okay, so generally i'll need to know like the ins and outs of where they see the business in like the next five years because with like the brand design it is going to be everything that i do for my client at this moment in time it's going to reflect over probably the next couple of years because obviously like brand design it's not cheap and they don't rebrand like you know once a year it is literally like what I create for them is essentially going to be with their business for like the foreseeable future until maybe they take like a different turn. Um, so that's like a big one is like, you know, where do they see the business in the next like five years? And we'll try and sort of discuss like, you know, are you ever going to create like, for example, like ebooks in the future? Are you going to have like a sister part of the company where you do slightly different things? And it's kind of just sort of like finding out where they're going to go with it 
Um, we talk through like mission statements, vision statements, because all that information really helps me get like a grasp of where they're going with like their idea of the brand. Um, just having a look. Like I, I do always ask if they have like a unique story behind the business as well, because that can be incorporated into like the brand story as well. Um, there's probably like a lot more. It's very like detailed. Um, yeah, you're definitely a lot more in detail with your yeah. calls than, than me. Um, Danny, so sort of same same sort of question for you. Have you got a tick list of stuff that you just have to get on that onboarding call for you to be able to like move forward with that client? Um, yeah, so obviously there's a few things that I sort of need um, from that potential client to kind of carry forward. Um, one of the big ones that I'll talk, talk them through is creating goals and a lot of them obviously I work in e-commerce and um, most of the time so a lot of them will go oh, I want more sales and I'm like oh like I talk them through smart goals and um, you know like being specific making sure they're like actually reachable and things like that and setting actual smart goals with them um, and explaining sort of like why you need them you can't just say I want more sales like how you're going to measure that and um, things like that so setting like proper um, goals with them also, I will kind of recommend services that I think are good for them. So obviously, after learning about their brand, um, I can give them a list of recommendations. I think you need this social platform. I think you need me to handle your Instagram, but maybe not the comments and DMs. That's better coming from you, things like that. So kind of tailor a package specifically to them, which is also why I don't offer package services. I always tailor it to each client. Um, also, any login information that I need for Instagram or any social accounts um, or if I'm doing email management um, logins for that um, also what they're sort of kind of like Daniela in the next couple of years what are their plans for their business but in the aspect of launches obviously I work in e-commerce a lot of people have like maybe two or three big launches a year so knowing the dates and like getting any like important dates um, say is their brand turning to this year what date is that turning to so I can kind of um, you know make some graphics for that and if it's a launch making I make different strategies for launches so just knowing that so I kind of got it in my diary and I don't have to go oh my god it's a launch next week like what am I going to do um, also just sort of the vibe of the brand so how do you want to come across like your brand tone of voice um, kind of just learning a bit about like who they want to be portrayed as um, I always say to them like if someone's looking at your brand what do you want them to think what do you want them to feel um, and that usually gets me a really good idea. Um, and the last thing is how much control they want of their social platforms. I know a lot of small business owners want to do some stuff on their own, and I make it very clear to them that they have complete control of everything. Even when I'm writing the captions, doing all the content, they have control of the content calendar if they want to change things and just making it very clear that like they're still in control if they want to still do the comments or if they choose that they want to do the captions, it's all in their control. Um, and yeah, just ask them how much control they want. But that's pretty much all I ask. Again, if it's like dependent on the client, I may ask a few more questions, but that's generally what I'll do. Awesome. And uh, you touched on something there that was quite a new for me. Also working in e-commerce uh, is is that also question, what is your goals? I want to sell more stuff. And uh, I love that because that's led us on to something else in terms of smart goals and it's not something I was completely aware of when I started out doing social media uh, and, you know, doing ads and stuff for people set in smart goals. Um, Danny, do you want to sort of like elaborate a little bit on that? You know, in, well, you don't have to go into ridiculous detail, but sort of explain, you know, 
how smart goals work for for you and your clients and sort of how smart goals can help um sort of with our e-commerce businesses to to develop better relationships and better end goals yeah so smart goals although they can be quite annoying to create it is just great to think i want more sales um is for me mainly as well it's so i can help that business measure the return on investment and measure how well the social media efforts are doing if you just go I want to sell more and you see a bit of an increase in sales you don't know where that's come from whereas if you say I want to get more product page views from Instagram um, I want to get 20 a day um, before the next week that's an actual goal you can measure um, and also it's just adding a lot more like 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 specificity like it's a lot more specific um, but yeah, it's just so much easier to manage as well and adapt and this way as well is good for the business owner. You can actually track your progress. You can go, last month I had 20 product, on average, 20 product page views. Um, and then now I'm getting 25. It's very easy to track your progress. Um, and I use this a lot to kind of track in within the marketing strategies that I create, what's working, what's not working. Because if I just go, oh yeah, you sold more. I don't know what's actually sold more how I'm tracking it, what's doing well, what's not. It's so much easier to actually boost your brand so much more by creating those specific goals. Um, And also allows you to have more goals as well. You can say, I want 20 product page views and 10 product page clicks. And you can have so many more goals than just, I want to sell more. And then you're just kind of like lost in how do I sell more? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I use exactly the same sort of process. I love smart goals and it is definitely something I utilize doing sort of the onboarding process. Um, set in smart goals for my clients um, especially when it comes to e-commerce and I want to sell more because um, surprisingly um, like when I set smart goals and we set smart goals with clients um, so like I'll build ads based around certain smart goals like I want to sell x amount of this product this month so we'll build like carousel specifically around like a specific category of products and um, sometimes it's surprising that like the majority of our sales of other products actually come lead in from us trying to sell something completely different. Um, so obviously by having those smart goals, we a it gives better reporting for us as social media marketing managers, um, but it also helps us to learn better about the client's audience as well. Um, so I find by setting smart goals, and even if we fail the goal, we learn something else in that process. And it's usually, you know, I usually find that quite informative because um, I bet you guys are the same and I, I don't always hit my SMART goals. Um, you know, we set them and obviously the, the goal is to hit them every time, but we, we don't achieve absolutely everything uh, every time, you know, and, and sometimes our SMART goals we set, it turns out to, we actually achieve something a lot bigger than what the original SMART goal was set out to be. Um, Daniela, do you sort of use something similar, SMART goals or anything in your sort of process? Um, so I think sort of in a way I kind of use smart goals so I'm always trying to make sure that I deliver the project on time so obviously it's a little bit different to like social media but there will be like certain parts of the project that have like specific dates so for example the client may need their website done say like by the 20th of March just using that as an example um but they may need like their branding complete like their logo and everything say like a week before that so my goal really is to sort of like deliver the project on time but also deliver a project that is exactly what they envisioned 
because obviously if they didn't, if you present them with something completely different to what they wanted, it's going to cause extra work. It's going to delay the project. I essentially would need to start from scratch. So it's sort of like that's my goal is to make sure I deliver them a project that they wanted and make sure I deliver it on time. So it's a little bit different to you guys. Yeah, and, and that's what I sort of love about this topic is is the three of us has got such different processes for that. I mean, we line up in a lot of places, um, but sort of our, our ways of getting there are different. Um, so another question now, um, discovery calls and onboarding. Uh, benefits, uh, pros and cons then of splitting them in two or keeping them as one call. Uh, Daniel, start with you. What do you think? I know you do split them into two, but like pros and cons of both. like that's a hard one um what I like about it so a pro is that sort of in between the discovery and the onboarding call a bit different to Chris I feel like with me it allows my potential client to kind of process what I've said obviously I chuck a lot of information at them um and then often I'll get emails with extra questions but I feel like it gives them a chance um because I'll email them with like my recommended services um, and that, and they have a chance to like talk it over. If they're working in a team, they'll discuss it with their team um, and like their co-founders and things like that. Um, and I feel like it just gives them an opportunity to kind of like calm, not calm down, but like kind of process it all. Um, but then I guess a con is it does leave that room for doubt. Um, that's never really been an issue with me. I'm lucky in that any discovery call that hasn't turned into an onboarding call is mainly on my behalf of not wanting to work with that particular brand but they have had it in the past where people have decided not to take it further but yeah I think for me obviously it is more of a pro than a con um I guess another pro is that mine tend to take quite a long amount of time so otherwise I'll be sitting there for like an hour and a half two hours just ranting at the same person where it allows a bit more structure for me and especially for me in my head like I can't process that much information for that long like if someone was talking to me for like an hour and a half two hours I'd like drift off so I guess it gives me more structure as well um but yeah that's a difficult one mm, it's, yeah it is a difficult question um Daniela same question then pros and cons of splitting discovery calls and onboarding so I feel like a pro with having the two calls with myself is I think with branding being such like a big project the first call kind of I get to know them and see if we're actually going to work well together. Whereas if, for example, I had the just the one call and I was to sort of like get them to sign, get them to pay the invoice, it could mean that like a couple of weeks down the line, they could be the client from hell, like in the nicest way possible. Like when you're working with design, you are obviously in a way kind of trying to imagine what's in their head and put it down on paper that's the way I sort of think about it like you know you are going to have like such a close relationship with this person you are going to be chatting to them and just sort of sending it to them along the way and you know finding out if that's what they're looking for and I think if I was to do it all in one call and be like yeah we'll book a call today tomorrow we'll start working I feel like halfway through a project they could decide they don't work well with me. I could decide I don't work well with them. And it kind of means that I've then got to drop them or they could drop me. And number one, we'd have half a branding completed. (laughs) And number two, like, obviously, I wouldn't have hit any of my goals of actually delivering them the project that they wanted. 
So I think the pro of having the two calls is them getting that information in between as well. They can look over everything. Because sometimes I feel like when you're in a call, you don't get a chance to properly write everything down. There might be things that you might forget. And say if they get that document and there's something they're not happy with, that means that we can discuss that on the next one then as well, if you get what I mean. I do, yes. Um, so I'm sort of with you, even though I do blend, try to blend my discovering onboarding calls. The reason I blend mine together um, is because obviously this is quite a lot later in the process compared to you guys. Um, so when I'm doing discovery calls and onboarding, I've already given the client a lot of information beforehand uh, in terms of in my initial email outreach that they've got a brief description of what I can do. Uh, and then obviously I send a loom video as, as the second part of my outreach. So they've already got a good idea of what I can do. And, you know, it sort of gives them a chance to ask questions by email or whatever else before and all, before a discovery call. So my discovery calls don't tend to be as long. So, you know, sort of they are half an hour at the most, really. And um, sometimes my onboarding calls can be an hour and a half. So, yeah, con for definite. If I am sort of like blending in the both, sometimes these calls can go into, you know, an hour and a half, two hours with the time. And, and you know, it is quite easy to lose someone at that period. Um, and I find sort of another a con for me, really, of splitting them um, is really that sometimes, you know, the the quote that I give for this stuff runs into the thousands and you know it, it can get scary to a lot of people and you know that's when you start to get the element of doubt from them is is when when you're launching a massive quote to them when, when you know when it is sort of that much if the brand is quite well established and you throw a big quote to them you know that they can tend to buffer up to that they're used to you in such big figures but you know smaller companies obviously I try to be as as the best I can in terms of that quote, you know, I don't, I don't try to give them anything they don't need, but the quote can still sometimes be a lot higher than, than what they realistically expect into you. So by splitting that call and allowing a period of time between the discovery and the onboarding, I think I get a lot more doubtful customer, not so much doubtful. Usually it's, it's me that's got to do the chasing up to, to land that client then between the discovery and the onboarding callers where, you guys could probably get that onboarding call done pretty quickly after uh, this discovery call. So at least try and do a bit of the onboarding from that discovery call just to sort of A, reassure um, the client that I'm working with and B, sort of it's a bit of a reassurance for me as well then that this client's not going to run away and panic because I've just told them a a thousand pound quote. Um, So moving on from that then. Um, stuff that we do sort of do in onboarding. I know we've talked about like apps and stuff and strategies and content calendars. We'll go into that a little bit more. But Danielle, I'm really interested in your sort of CRM that you develop for your clients. Can you just talk us a little bit more through your CRM? Yeah, so generally I try and use Asana. Just It's either Trello or Asana. I'm sort of in between two at the moment, trying to figure out what's the best one to use with my new rebrand going on. Um, so... Obviously, this is because there's going to be a lot of like designs going back and forth. There's going to be a lot of like, you know, me notifying them like this needs to be done or that needs to be done. And I find it really helpful. I've been sort of trialing Asana and that's where you can sort of invite them to it a little bit like Trello. And, you know, they can look at where you're at with the project. I find that it stops you getting like stuff lost in the emails 
but also the client can jump on that anytime they want and just sort of see where we're at with it they don't have to constantly you know message me and chase me they can just see it for themselves and I find that's really really helpful Awesome. And Danny, I know you sort of use something for your little bit of needier clients. Um, I think, is it Trello that you use? Yeah. Um, so to be honest, with most of my clients, I don't use any sort of CRM. Um, I'll have either fortnightly or monthly like catch up meetings. A lot of my clients are really busy. Um, and I find after a couple months of working with them, they're happy just to like give it off to me and be like, just do what you want because <laughs> they know what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, sometimes in the first couple of months or if it's a client that um, is a bit needier which is totally fine um I'll update like a Trello board um when whenever I'm working on their content or sort of a project for them um and I'll just put kind of the hours worked what I'm doing my to-do list what I've done what I haven't done um and obviously they can see from the content calendar what I've scheduled in what I haven't scheduled and um, sort of the times everything's going out captions um so they have like full access and full control control over everything and they can like constantly see what I'm doing and like Danielle I feel like that is a great way to like kind of not push them to the side but like not disturb you um and it's a lot easier as a social media manager to have them like able to look at something and it's a lot better for them as well I think rather than having to feel like they have to chase us up and like kind of not feeling confident in us just they know everything's on that like trello board or on Asana um and I think it's a lot better for them make them a lot confident in like their social channels or their Pinterest um Exactly, yeah, and, and it's the same for me. Um, I do use Trello. Uh, we did migrate to Monday.com for a brief period of time, um, but I do actually find Trello a little bit better than Monday.com. Um, but for the most part, clients do leave me alone because they are just a little bit too busy um, for me to be in touch with them constantly. Um, usually it is uh, weekly or bi-weekly sort of catch-ups, and I utilise Loom software for that. So I'll just record a video with a screen share on, just highlight into them, you know, what I've done in that week, you know, sort of, as, as we all know, 90% of the stuff that I handle in-house is all ads-based. Um, So, you know, I'll get an ad report up on the screen, I'll tell them what's working, what's not working, and then, you know, what I sort of suggest moving forward, send them that video. So they've had a bit of FaceTime with me at that point then, you know, they've seen me, they know what's going on with their ads, they can get back to me in their own time then, just to let me know sort of how they want to proceed, really. Um. But, you know, there is occasional the, the, the couple of clients that do need to be more held on. And I find it's like the sort of smaller business owners are the ones that tend to feel like they need a tighter grip on their business and what they do in. Um, so, yeah, I do then utilize Trello and a Trello board because, you know, I've, I'm very busy. I don't have time to speak to clients on the phone all the time. I use WhatsApp frequently back and forth. I mean, I do try to stay in touch with my clients as much as I can. Um, but obviously it's not really realistic to be messaging back and forth that often um so yeah I, I find trello an absolutely amazing tool for sort of sort of that and, and getting that sort of instated in the onboarding call i find it very sort of beneficial really uh, in that process because we've got that screen time together we've got the screen share we can set them up uh with trello at that particular time and you know sort of talk through how we've designed the board and and, and how it works um, the other thing I just want to touch on before we wrap it up for this session is content calendars doing onboarding. 
another three of us use content calendars very differently yet again um, for all different aspects of our business. Um, Daniela, I want to talk to you briefly about content calendars. Do you utilize a content calendar during the onboarding process for Pinterest or design work? Sort of. So, like, it's difficult. With, like, the Pinterest one, what I will do is I'll ask my client to sort of give me the content that they sort of want out onto their Pinterest that week. So, like, a document will come from them with, you know, the theme. And then I kind of just take that and I sort of turn it into the posts on Pinterest. So I don't really have to, like, plan their content but I do have to schedule it, make sure it's all going out at the right time, make sure it's fully optimised. So to be honest, like I think, sorry about my dog in the background, to be honest, I think it's mainly like pen and paper for me because what I'll do is I will write down like what my little plan is. I'll get up the document off my client for Pinterest management and I'll kind of just work from there and just make sure I've got everything. Awesome, yeah, I do like that. I'm, I'm still pretty pen and paper orientated. I, I do love a bit of pen and paper. You can't go wrong. Um, Danny, so we're going to roll down content calendars with you. And just a little plug, i got to say, Danny does make an amazing content calendar that is for sale on her website. Um, so I'll let you talk us through your content calendar and how you sort of utilise that for your onboarding process and your clients. Yeah, um, so obviously a lot of the work I do is Instagram management, Facebook management, and so... I'll create a, well, I have a content calendar that I use for this. Obviously, I adapt it for each client. Um, but what I have is I have basically an overview month. So it will, if you have um, like one of those calendars that you stick on your wall or like basically those monthly calendars and um, with all the boxes, I have one of them and I use this to plan the type of content going out. Um, so it's all like color coordinated. So whether it's a reel, whether it's a quote, whether it's a product photo, a review, um, uh, information about a launch things like that um and a color code it so it's very easy to see kind of what type of content going is going out when if you can see a few days in a row it's all a product obviously you need to change that around and um, it also helps when you're adapting your marketing strategy as well or when i'm adapting them for clients i can see what order of posts is going like really well so say if i put a product out one day next day i do a quote and it's picking up more traction than if i do a reel and then a quote i can sort of analyze what's working really well and um, we also have um, a sheet on there that is tracking analytics for that client. So like I said about the SMART goals, I'll sort of determine what metrics and analytics I need to be tracking and I'll put them in the spreadsheet. Um, and also if it's things like followers and product page views, I'll ask them what their goals are and I'll track what their goals are for each month and whether we've hit them, things like that. That way it's really easy to let them know as well. You're not kind of looking at the insights and like getting really stressed out. It's literally there for them. Um, and then the main part that I have is the actual content calendar. So this includes what social platform it's going out on, what time, what's the caption, um, the asset file location. So if you've got a Google Drive or Canva, sharing the actual images that you're putting out, um, any notes. So if they're working in a team or they have a marketing um, part of their company, they can share it with them and people could put notes on. Or if my client wants to put a note to me can you please change this graphic slightly it'll all go in there um and that way everything's all in one it if you're looking at it it does look very crowded with text um but it also means that if a client is wanting to write their own captions they can put it all in weekly or monthly and all you have to do is copy and paste it um it's just a very 
easy place to put all the information um, and separate it out as you want. If a client wants to know, oh, I wonder what's going out next Wednesday because I wanted to do this big story, they can go and look at it and then they could put a note if they don't want me to put that out because they're putting loads out on their stories, things like that. It's just a very easy, accessible place. Um, and if I like what I'll do is um, when I've like done everything in the content calendar before I schedule anything to go out, I'll just quickly message my client. I'll be like, I've put everything in the content calendar. Let me know if it's all okay um, and I'll schedule it to go out. And a lot of the time they'll just be like, yeah, it's fine. Or there'll be a change a couple things. Um, and it's just basically my massive document, like my little secret trick if I didn't have I would like I would just not be able to cope without it um yeah it's just where all my information is um if you're having clients as well you can put like passwords and logins and things like that um if they want that in there um you can put like everything in it but yeah it's just really useful awesome where can they find that and where can they buy your content calendar Danny so I have my content calendar template up on my website at www.dannydigital.co.uk slash shop. Um, it's $4.99 um, and it includes the sheets for the monthly view like I was talking about and also the actual content calendar where you can put your captions, your asset file location, your hashtags, things like that. Um, but yeah, you do have to have Excel to download it. But if you don't have Excel or you don't want to pay for it, um, you can just message me and I can send you a Google Drive link for it, um, which means you don't need to buy Excel. Awesome. Um, so just to wrap up, like we usually do, uh, Daniela, anything interesting gone on in the world of content with coffee or digitally, Danny? Um, sort of still doing the brand design. Um, I'm nearly completed on the website now. Got one post up on the Instagram, and I've had like a lot of support from people, which has been really nice. So thank you. Um, another post is going to be going up this week, um, and it's going to be all about how to gather inspiration for your branding. So I'm just working on that at the moment. And hopefully the website will be up and running by the end of this week. And obviously I do Pinterest management now as well, but that's all really that's new. Awesome. Danny, anything happening in the magical world of everything you've got going on? Not too much. Pretty much still the same as last week, working on my ebook about um how to create a social media marketing strategy but yeah at the moment i'm very busy with like client work so just trying to get through that awesome yeah it would have just effectively been the same year we've just same sources just been so busy that i've not a chance to do anything interesting or fun this week awesome well yeah we'll wrap it up there then as a very informative and quite intense really podcast yet again um, I think maybe we'll tone it down next week and do something a bit more fun. Um, so, yeah, awesome. Cheers for listening once again, guys, and we'll catch up with you again next week. Bye. Bye.